five, the stage reset at House Lights. Thanks team for another great show. I'll see you all backstage. This is Designed to Change, Backstage Conversations. Uh, welcome backstage, Theora. Thank you. It looks so different back here. Doesn't it? Yeah. How do you feel? I feel good. <laughs> How do you feel? It's an early morning, early morning rise for you, but you're quite used to that in the Pacific time. Every day. Right? All good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so having done this um this podcast. How do you um, how do you reflect on this conversation? I feel it's always enjoyable to spend time with you. The only thing we're missing is a napkin and a sharpie. Exactly. Well, I I had the napkin. No, I didn't have a napkin. I had a full book here that I took notes in, which will add to the comments and the sharpie, um, because this is what we do, right? We we talk about things. Sometimes we have meals at the same time. Um, we sketch out ideas and things that might happen in the future. And then somehow, if you think about them, you can actually make them happen. Right? Right. You can. We can channel what our positive lives should be. Absolutely. I think it's been done before. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, tell us a little bit about your travel habits, because, I mean, this might be a well-kept secret, but you, you always say, like, I travel light, right? Or... You traveled, what do you say, 22 days with a carry-on? So I, my record is 48 days in a carry-on. Um, I'm about to embark on, I leave tomorrow and I will be home on July 24th. So now I will actually tell you the secret of that. Is in the middle of that, I have my 30th wedding anniversary and we are going on a Mediterranean cruise. Mm -hmm. And my husband will be bringing a suitcase with all my pretty clothes. Then he will uh -huh. take them home after the cruise and I will go back to my carry-on life. Um, so I travel a lot. I do travel light um, because you can only actually wear one outfit at a time and you can find laundry everywhere in the world. Um, so, and it was, I was just at an event in Mexico for five days and there was actually one of my friends was auditing my wardrobe every time I appeared because she's like, I don't understand how you fit all of that in a carry-on. I'm just like, it's magic. Um, I have a new carry-on system you may have seen uh, on Instagram. It's like the pull-up carry-on closet. So I'm okay. testing that. Mm -hmm. um, it seems very successful. Oh, yeah? I was doing packing keeps for a long time, but I feel like this also works quite well. Um, and I do kind of like you can just, I can actually just like you compress it all down. And then when I get to the hotel, I can just like hang it up and it just lays out into like a little. So there's no more packing and unpacking. You just harmonica it out of your suitcase. No, that's not. So it depends on how long I'm staying somewhere, but I will. I'm a complete nerd. So this is this is my normal travel schedule. Mm -hmm. So I only drink, I don't drink alcohol when I'm on travel days because I yeah. find that for me, um, it's, first of all, it's dehydrating, but I also find things can always go wrong on a travel day and it will limit my coping skills for that. And so I need to, you know, have my full capacities with me. Um 
I travel at all times of the day. It depends really where I'm going and what I'm doing. So I might have a red-eye flight. I might have just a regular flight. Mm -hmm. um, I am never fortunate enough to travel in business class because I travel on all kinds of different airlines. Um, and so it's a good thing that I'm short. The only time, or actually, I'm not short. I'm fun-sized. So it's the only time that I'm happy to be fun-sized is when I'm on an airplane. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so the rest of the time, I would like to just be three inches taller in my legs. Um, I don't eat beige food when I travel, um, unless it is bread in Europe dipped in cheese. Then there has to be exceptions. It's an 80-20 thing. Uh -huh. But I just find that um, most beige food is very um, calorie high, nutrition low. And again, I've got, I'm working in all kinds of different time zones and I need to always be on. Yeah. So I tend to upscale the vegetables and proteins and downscale um, other things. Um, mm -hmm. I exercise. So I am a hotel gym nerd. And if I can't, um, there's a, I don't have a gym that I, or I'm in a city that is um, conducive to walking and I have time, I will walk everywhere yeah. um, versus um, uh, not uh, versus taking other kinds of transportation. If walking, if time allows, I will walk everywhere. Yeah. Um, I um, send um, a lot of mail while I'm away. So I send cards and postcards to my friends and family so mm -hmm. that it's my little way of feeling like I'm still a little bit connected and I think they appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and I just make sure that I have like my podcasts and music all downloaded and ready to go so that I can ignore people um, when I <laughs> in those places where you don't necessarily want to talk to everybody, um, like on a plane or in an airport. Um, and I... Do you, find, do you find that as a result of stringing together your travel, do you spend more time being post instead of shuttling back and forth to your home? Um, yeah. So trying I think to I'm, do things you know, in between? Or? So I'm trying to work out. <laughs> there's no easy, there's no perfect solution. So what I'm trying to work out now um, is, you know, when I was younger and traveling a lot for work, uh, I found that the more senior that you got in a role, the last time there was for pre and post. So, you know, all of my program coordinators could stay in XYZ beautiful destination. I'd be like on the plane writing the next production schedule onto the next thing. Mm -hmm. um, I, 30 years into a career, um, I am trying to just space things out a bit more um, and to find that time. And, you know, for example, I'll be away for an extended period of time from home, but I will bring my home to me. So I'll have some time where Greg is meeting me in Europe and then I'll have some time where Julie is meeting me in Europe. Um, later this summer, I'm going to a creativity conference in Iceland. And so um, Nick doesn't like warm tropical places. So he's going to come to Iceland with me. So I'm just trying to find ways to just integrate my life. Yeah. I also find that, um, you know, you and I and most people in our industry are fortunate that we have friends around the world. Yeah. Um, that we're often seeing at events that we're at. Mm -hmm. And we're just so fortunate to be able to spend time experiencing amazing destinations and having um, time for some of those conversations with yeah. people that you wouldn't always get to have. And, yeah. you know, I think people who don't work in our industry, 
you know, when I say oh, I'm going to stay with my very good friend this weekend um, who lives in Cologne, uh, they're just like, well, how can you say I have a really good friend who lives in Cologne that you see three days a year? It's like, that's a really good question, but it's about the quantity of time and not the quality of time and not the quantity of time yeah. and that there's not an expectation um, between the times that we need to, you know, know what we're having for breakfast every day. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a, so the cadence of when you connect with people, I know whenever we run into each other at events, it's like, you know, we have that belief of never missing a good meal moment, or at least you have to take yeah. the time to have a meal anyway. Yeah. Combine it with a good conversation. And I, yeah. I for one always really appreciate that in, um, has, has nothing to do with the intentionality of your book that you wrote because this is probably something that's in your system for a long time where this is how this is how you um this is this is your human nature i guess right to use to use the term but um i really like that concept of you know places are just uh, spaces in a geolocation but friends are the things that anchor you right and they can be anywhere and everywhere. And sometimes you meet them at events and sometimes you take time to go and see them. Um, and both are valuable. Yeah. I loved when I, um, so when I wrote my capstone project, so in our previous conversation, I gave you my bad example of how not to host an event. Mm -hmm. um, I have a second example in that paper that is the right way to host an event mm -hmm. to build networking, which was in another event I went to um, that I was um part of the on-site team in February and mm -hmm. you know they just they set out a year ago with an intention to create an event that fostered connections it's an event around climate change and they just did all of the things right along every step of the way to do that mm -hmm. and part of it was intentional design and part of it was the heart of the company so you know there had been some pre-meetings and things that always happen at events and then the opening plenary was on the next day. So much the format of many conferences has that cadence. Mm -hmm. And so an hour before that plenary is going to start on the Tuesday, you know, there is a lineup at registration. Well, all of the senior leaders of the organization were came out and were working that line. And they were welcoming people and they were seeing old friends and they were meeting new people and they were introducing people. And they made that line just go by like that. And that wasn't us saying, you have to be here. That was us just saying, hey, you guys, there's a lineup. And they're like, great, there's people to meet, you know? And they created a networking lounge that probably had 200 seats for a 700 person conference. Yeah. Because, the, you know, it's like you could sit in the lunchroom and eat your lunch, or you could take your buffet lunch and eat in the networking lounge. You had a great place for your coffee break. You had the opportunity to just go sit in the networking lounge and not go to a session because you were having a conversation with somebody. So it just basically was a judgment-free zone of mm -hmm. saying, you know, please come in and spend time talking to each other. Yeah. That event had a U.S. ambassador for the climate, our Canadian ministers for the climate, um, many people working across the sector. Um, mm -hmm. And those, the most senior people stayed for three days because they were having the right conversations um, and that never happens. Um, but that was the, you know, it was designed with intention. And I sent um, 
the my paper to the client to the client for that event and she called me back crying <laughs> so you know I mean it's just because I so clearly laid out for her that what they why, you know had done this was the case yeah and I think that that's the opportunity that we have I do I think that you know like I said I'm going to do a second book that is going to be about how we use live events to cultivate happiness and mm-hmm. it's there's so many ways that we can do it you know and there's I have probably 10 books that have been written most of them in the last two years but quite a few a couple like you know the art of belonging and things um before that but um it's there they all have belonging in the title (laughs) or experience in the title um so I know there's a lot of work that's already been done um and there's a lot of science behind what we do and so I'm you know madly reading all of those um and I think that the the lens that I bring, the perspective that I bring is actually creating those events, like you said, and testing those, those theories and those models and seeing what works. And, you know, what I know, um, and it was so, you know, clear band-aid ripped off from having such a unbelonging experience myself this year, um, that there's so many things that we could be doing just that little bit better. Um, to ensure that people leave feeling that they belonged with someone somewhere, were able to make a connection and are probably going to have two or three more productive conversations from that interaction. And those are the things that are going to create the collaborations that are going to change the world. Mm -hmm. Um, I just had, um, so David Adler's harnessing serendipity, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, what I love about this is, you know, 66 collaboration artists, yeah. 66 collaboration artists, but I love that it's, you know, it's the event planners and it's chefs and it is musicians um, and it's musicians. And it is, you know, it's just such an amazing collection of stories and ways to think about what we're doing and, it's almost We're like so a journey. Fortunate. It's almost like his journey of meeting these types of people and bringing them back together. Almost like the book is an event, right? It's like, a, yeah, a fascinating, yeah, fascinating concept. And it's just, um, you know, I love just reading the stories and being like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Um, and the more that all of these cross sectorally ways that we can connect people um and that there's so many people from different types of industries thinking about it Hmm. it's just the coolest um and so i appreciate that um we have the opportunity to do this and you know people say you know like when are you going to retire and i was just like never like from what, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's, um, you know, for one thing, I, you know, work in an industry with doesn't really have pensions. So there's that. Um, um, but truly it's, um, a lot of people work really hard in order to travel for the rest of their life or try to do the things that they couldn't do when they worked. Uh, I get to do what I love doing every day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, is it, it's not easy. No. but that's not the point no, no. so it's um yeah so lucky 
So last question, what's 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 been easier for you? Writing a book or designing the next event? I don't think there's an easier. Neither of them are easy. They're both hard. Um, and I think it's at the end of the day, it's like what makes me feel the most productive? Both. Um, one is a solo effort, primarily. Um, one is a solo effort open to all the judgment and one is a collaborative effort open to all the judgment. <laughs> so, <laughs> but perishable, um, right? yeah. I should, I should probably actually retire. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that bombshell, Tahira and Dean, <laughs> we have uh, uh, hung out one hour and 18 minutes together with you. Uh, it was a treat. Um, thanks for spending that time also to those listening to the podcast uh, look out in the liner notes for you know an historic perspective you're going to see a white paper from event camp you're going to see maybe our latest research i think you can share that from your master's yeah. um, capstone project and maybe the link to some of the other things that you're mentioning um if you're at imax come and meet tahira come and meet people that are on our podcast be on our podcast Come, come and see us because we like to have these conversations, you know, digitally, and we like to have them at events on site and live. Um, thank you so much for um, hanging out with us, and um, we'll see you soon, as soon as next week. By the way, yeah, and next Let's year. Have a wiggle. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Tara. Thank you. You've been hanging out backstage on Design to Change Designer Conversations. Thank you for tuning in and don't forget to subscribe and share conversations online using hashtag Design to Change and hashtag Event Canvas. Want more thought-provoking content like this? Visit designtochange.online to purchase your copy of Design to Change, elevating your abilities to look and act beyond the now. Don't forget it's more than just a book. Experience a hard copy, audio format, video format, and even augmented reality. Experience it in your style and format. Tune into our next episodes and hear from more designers and change makers. Until then, we look forward to our next conversation. <laughs>